and really understanding that it is part of our daily lives, just like our physical health. So really creating and shifting that perspective of prioritizing our mental health, because without mental health, there is no health. Hi guys, welcome to Dancing in the Gray, a podcast and a platform that shines light on the importance of prioritizing our mental health. Regardless of whether or not you live with a mental health condition, we all have mental health. I am not a medical professional. I have a lived experience. And I believe in the power of storytelling because by sharing our personal stories and by shining our own light, We give permission for others to do the same, to feel seen, to feel heard, and in turn feel liberated. I hope you will join me on this journey as we discuss these gray areas of our lives, which can often feel so lonely and isolating. I hope these conversations plant seeds of inspiration for you to feel your best. Because when we dance confidently in the gray, the colors of life show up so much brighter. Let's just jump in. I'm so honored to have Erin Ryan on an episode of Dancing in the Gray. I would first call you a friend and I would first call you a partner in crime in fighting the good fight against or for mental health, for mental health awareness, not against. Um, but you are also the executive director of NAMI Westside, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization. And so I'm just looking forward to our conversation because I know you have so much to offer personally and professionally and, you know, can't thank you enough for all of the work that you're doing. So welcome. Hmm, thank you so much. That's such a nice, warm welcome. And, you know, we're grateful to have, well, I'm grateful to have you as a friend and also as a colleague, you know, working for NAMI Westside Los Angeles. And yes, in the fight uh, against stigma and shame surrounding mental health. Thank you for that. You know, I received those, those kind of things that you had to say about me, but let's just jump right in. Talk to me about why mental health advocacy and why mental health education is so important from your perspective. Right. Um, Why is mental health advocacy and mental health education so important to me personally and professionally? Well, um, first and foremost, I am a mom. So once I became a mother and joined that wonderful group of motherhood, Um, perspective changes and it really becomes about, well, for me, it changed and it really became about how can I best serve my daughters and what legacy do I want to leave or what example do I want to lead and show them? And I think mental health is a daily practice and I think through advocacy and education, we can have a better understanding of what that practice is and really understanding that it is part of our daily lives, just like our physical health. So really creating and shifting that perspective of prioritizing our mental health, because without mental health, there is no health. Mm. 
it's all interconnected to everything else, to the physical health, to the spiritual, emotional health. It's the trifecta. Yes, our emotional, psychological, social, emotional health. Yes. So you're definitely a pioneer in this space, in my opinion. And I know you've been with NAMI Westside. I know mental health has been, you know, coming to the limelight, I guess you could say, in the last few years, which I think is an incredible thing. Um, but talk to me a little bit about NAMI, because NAMI's been around forever, forever, meaning 40 plus years, which is, in my opinion, a really long time, and very progressive of them to create this organization to support mental health and well-being. Um, but I don't know, did you have a personal journey with mental health or mental health struggles prior to your professional position um, at NAMI Westside? Yes. So to answer kind of the first part of that question is, and first, th thank you for calling me a trailblazer in the space. It's, it's very kind of you. Um, I think that NAMI is an amazing organization. And just to kind of go back to where my perspective changed um, very much is when I entered parenthood. And um, 40 plus years ago, um, some parents and mothers were sitting around a kitchen table and they were saying like, I don't understand what's happening with my children. I don't under, I, these are mental health conditions. What is happening? There's no help out there. There's no resources. People don't talk about it. So they, uh, like moms do, find other people like themselves and say, hey, we got to do something about this. And so I think it's amazing to be part of an organization that really identified a need um, and has continually tried to meet that gap, tried to meet that need um, in our local communities, our state communities, and on a national level. So that's um, a little bit about NAMI. And then as far as if I've had a personal mental health journey and you know what that has been and led me to NAMI, um, we all have personal mental health journeys, right? Every day, every choice we make, I think is tied to our mental health. Um, you know, when I first came to NAMI, it was so interesting because I have a colleague who has a son that lives with bipolar disorder and it was very defined. He knew exactly what he needed and what that was that looked like for him. And for me, it wasn't as defined. And I felt like, well, is NAMI really for me? Like, is this a place where I can identify because I don't have a mother that lives with schizophrenia or I, my child doesn't live with bipolar disorder? And so I felt almost like, wait a minute, is this a, a space for me? And it took some really, a lot of internal reflection. And what I came up with is that NAMI is a place for everyone. We all have a mental health journey and we all know someone, whether that be ourselves or a loved one, because one in four people in the United States lives with a mental health condition. So we, that's either us or someone that we know and love um, lives with a mental health condition. And so we as a collective group really need to identify that and understand that it's something that we need support, we need resources, we need vocabulary, we need education, we need advocacy. This is an area um, in our society that really hasn't shed that light on because of the shame and the stigma that's surrounding mental health. And through that reflection, I really understood that 
guess what? I live with anxiety. I live with PTSD. Um, I lived with a trauma for many years. And, you know, I looked back and reflected on my life and said, wow, I was in crisis and I never knew that because no one talked about it. Um, I grew up in a military family. And for all those folks listening who have a loved one who lives, um, who's served in the military, thank you for your service. Um, both the person who has served our country and their family, because any kind of service really takes a toll on the individual and the family members. It is a different mind state that a service member lives with because it's life or death on a daily basis. So you could be at the dining room table and you know something as simple as pass the salt becomes a life or death situation because it might trigger or reflect or activate someone or it is um, not dancing in the gray. It's very much a black and white vocabulary universe in the military. And so that's something that for me, I didn't realize um, that I lived with, um, but growing up in an environment like that really um, transitioned my mindset to a lot of different things. Um, and then just, I, I lived with a, an early childhood trauma and then a trauma probably in my, it was like my late teens, early twenties. And, um, you know, I wish I had a great program like Ending the Silence, which is our early intervention and prevention program where we go into schools, middle and high schools, and we teach kids about mental health. And no one knows this better than you, one of our amazing ETS youth presenters. We're very grateful to have you on our team roster. But um, I always say this, I'm a lead presenter. And when I go into these schools and I see these kids, I say, I really wish that I had one of these presentations when I was your age, because I would have been able to know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to find a trusted adult and to talk to someone about what you're going through, whether that be a trauma or feelings of anxiety or depression or any of those warning signs that we um, really unpack in those presentations and give them the education and the tools to understand that you're not alone. Other people are dealing with this. I'm so glad you touched on ending the silence. It is an incredible program that's not just at West Side. It is nationwide under NAMI National. Um, but I always think when, when I'm participating as a presenter as well, like you never know what's going to land. Like I like to think of it as planting seeds and maybe that seed will show up as support immediately, or maybe it'll be five years from now for somebody. Um, but I'm in the same exact boat as you. And another thing that you touched on that I'm so glad that you did is a, we all have mental health and we all go through stress and anxiety, but it can totally look different. Like it doesn't just have to look like a manic episode. And so through education, people are able to identify that, you know, high levels of anxiety that debilitate you from doing something. That's a real thing. Um, preventing you or maybe causing you to make choices that are not in your highest good. And it can be a domino effect and you can end up in a really 
challenging place. So yeah, just to reiterate that we all have it and the journey's not linear. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing that, um, yeah, the journey is not linear, you know, not, not at all. It's ups and downs and it's, it's also the best stuff of life, right? I I love the title of your podcast, Dancing in the Gray, because I feel like that is perhaps the gray is the stasis, right? Perhaps the gray is the equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And the place where it is important to find our footing and lead with an open heart. But typically, as you were saying in the past, the salt example, it's not always black and white. And we are in this gray space. And I know from my own experience, it can be really uncomfortable and challenging. So, you know, from the moments of your gray that you referenced in your, I think you said early teen, late teens, early 20s. Um, and then other parts or other points in your life, because of the lack of education, you didn't know it was necessarily mental health conditions, but were there things that you could do to help make yourself feel better? Or how did you cope with those gray spaces or did you not cope with them? Mm. Great questions. And it's so funny. Um, I recently found a journal that I had, um, I was living in Paris and, um, I spent a year there and, um, actually that was where one of the traumas took place. And so it was really interesting to reflect and look back at myself and how I wrote. And so journaling is something that I've always used to cope with, um, the day-to-day stressors and it just helps me unpack and really plan. And I'm a Virgo, so I have to plan. Um, but, um, And it was really interesting because I had written a note to my daughter who I didn't have, you know, I was 20 years old and I had written a letter to my future daughter. And and in the letter, I remember it was just so fascinating to see where I was at and I was reaching for hope. I was reaching for help. And I was actually trying to find it within myself, writing kind of a letter to my future self, um, but also like the dream of having a daughter one day or being worthy of love and being worthy of um, having a family and all of those things. Um, But I wrote to her um, to make sure to grow your own garden and not to wait for someone to bring you flowers. And um, that's always stayed with me, you know, to really cultivate yourself in the way that you can and find those positive coping strategies, whatever they may be for you. For me, it's always, you know, the journaling has been a big thing that that's that side of spirituality or reflection, meditation, um, you know, simple daily things that you might take for granted, but getting enough sleep nutrition, exercise, moving your body, uh, being in nature. Sometimes I try to double down and do exercise in nature and reflect at the same time. Again, it's like the, the multitasking like I'm Virgo. Multitasking Virgo. I'm I can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to check that list. Um, yeah. And, um, but yeah, try to find those things, whether it's dance or reading or whatever, like whatever you can do to feed yourself, to grow your own garden, take care of yourself in that capacity. And that is going to look different at different times of your life. It might be, okay, I need 
of, I, I need to see a therapist. I need to talk to someone about this. I need cognitive behavioral therapy or I need a support group. NAMI is great for that. We have you know, free support groups for peers, people living with mental health conditions or their loved ones. Um, taking a class, a meditation class. I know we both took that wonderful meditation class taught at the Brown School of Public Health. So finding those things, and they will change in the course of your life. I remember my grandmother always used to say that um, life is a dressmaker that specializes in alterations. So that's the only that's thing. That's so right? good. Between the garden and the dress example, I'm definitely taking that. Oh, good, good. Yeah, no, no, that's, uh, that's perfect. Well, I think it's so interesting because you said, you know, as you were reflecting, I always, I have turned to writing myself as well. So I identify with that. But even in that moment when you were 20 years old and you didn't know, you actually kind of did intuitively know, it sounds like. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit a lot of the times because I really believe that our heart, when we lead with our heart, genuinely knows the answer, but it's easy to have life get in the way and talk us out of, out of, you know, certain situations or not trusting ourselves or not, you know, seeing our worth, I guess you could say. Um, so that's it, a very important reminder. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a great teacher who, um, she was a theater professor and we would analyze plays and she would always say, start near the end and work your way backwards. So I thought that that was so brilliant. And even, you know, as a runner, I always identified with that. It's like, start close to the finish line and work your way backwards. So you know where you want to go. So sometimes like when you were saying, like in, when you're in that gray space and you need to find that clarity, if you can vision, if you can get to a place where you can see yourself, where you want to be, where that finish line, and it's it's not, it's a metaphorical finish line because of course there isn't, right? That, that journey is not linear, but the next best thing or the next good choice, if you can identify that and then work backwards, um, this professor, she also said, too, it's like great writers, they use this to develop their story and to develop their characters. So if we, and I believe this, we have the power to write our own story. So to really kind of see where you want to be and work your way backwards, what are what is the next step I need to take to move forward in that that direction. And then it helps make it more manageable and digestible and less overwhelming. Cause I know a lot of times in gray space, that's when everything is heightened and you feel like I can't make it to 2 PM. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, like you were, you know, in one of the questions you posed before, it was like, what is a gray area for me? And for me, it's like, um, the intersection of being present and productivity right? Because some of those, um, sometimes those are opposing forces because like you want to be really present and in the moment, but you've got this list and like, you're like, I've got to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And so there's part of me, like that athlete that's like, you just muscle through, like you put your head down, you finish the game, you know, that military, like all of that. It's just like, you get it done. Um, but sometimes it's like, no, you don't get it done. You deal with what's in front of you. And um, that's sometimes a difficult space for me to be in because it's uncomfortable for me because all of a sudden I, 
I have to work on um, what those like minimizing those expectations of maybe myself or people around me and saying like, okay, this is what's in front of me right now. This is the reality and how best to navigate this about this gray space, right? Or just um, slowing down, trying to slow down and really um, maybe not muscle through, maybe not accomplish the task, but just sit and be with what this is in front of you. And sometimes sitting can be the hardest part. Yeah. Trust me, I know. <laughs> because typically, like I would turn to myself to, to move or, you know, to find outlets on the exterior. But when you are in stillness and you are just present with all that is good and bad, negative, positive, whatever you want to call it, it's very confronting. <laughs> You're like, and I have to deal with my shit. And, yeah. And I have to make dinner. And I have to make dinner. Yeah. And, and I have two oh, kids. And like my, my child is quarantined uh, a week because of the pandemic. And now, I mean, that's just a whole nother level, man. Oh my gosh. But, I mean, that's another podcast podcast episode in itself. Parenting during pandemic. You mm, may be back. Yeah. Yeah. I, will, I, I would be happy to come back anytime. To, I know to you get my coffee, get my day to get your coffee, get your day. Get your coffee, get your day and dance in the gray and dance in the gray. I like that. I really like that. I know, um, as your friend, your athletic background, you've mentioned it a bit before, but can you talk to me about how that foundation in athletics, um, as a positive set you up for success with your mental health? Because I think athletics are so powerful for that reason. But at the same time, it's also a space, sorry, this is like the twofold question, I do this. It's also a space that can be, you know, really challenging to, you know, open up about your mental health because it's that don't cry, when, you know, it's win, don't lose, you can't feel emotion. So it's like a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it it totally is. Um, I, I think thank you for bringing it up because I feel like all of our experiences inform who we are, right? And how we um, maybe respond to day to day um, choices or activities or anything. Like just specifically, like physicality. Like I like I'm sitting down right now. Usually I stand. I can't stop moving because it's just something that's part of me. Like it's just. I've um, always been active. And so it's hard for me to sit. Um, but athletics in general, I think has been such an amazing gift for me. And I thank my parents for that because it's a lot of work. You know, it's a commitment to make sure that you get the practices and all of those things. But just even the word practice, it teaches a routine. It teaches that like, you're not going to get this in one day, that this requires a commitment over time. And so just even that word practice, I think to have um, been introduced to me at a very young age um, or rehearsal, right? I was a dancer as well. So um, knowing that this is a rehearsal, like we are rehearsing this, this is not something that you're required to know right away. So I think that the development of the psychology of that 
Um, also knowing that there's individual sports and there's team sports. And so that was something that was really helpful for me too. Um, as a runner, it's more of an individual sport. And that taught me like, okay, I am my own instrument and I have to like focus on that. Um, as an individual. Uh, and then being part of a team sport like soccer, it was something like, okay, like I play an important role in the equation of success as a group. And what does that look like? Um, but so those are some of the positive things. And I think that like there, I could go on and on all day about the positivity of athletics and, you know, you get me rolling on that and there'll be a whole new set of metaphors for you. Um, but, um, but some of the things that I think that I've, you know, had to pause on is maybe like not muscling through, not just getting to the finish line, not just saying like, okay, um, there's not a win or lose here. It is a process. And so whatever the situation is, you it's a win because you're going to learn something from it. And athletics has taught me that too, but yeah, it's nice to win. So there's that, that element of it. Um, and I think, you know, um, again, even some of the like things that maybe people would perceive as negative, I think they're still positive because like you're able to, to learn from those lessons. I mean... I still have some great friends, like some of my best friends are girls that I met when I was five years old, um, when I first strapped on my cleats and, you know, and there's so many values in that. But, but I think the biggest one is to not muscle through, to know that you can ask for help. You don't have to finish. You can say, I need to sit this one out and I need to pause and regroup before I get back out on the field. I'm so glad that you brought up the ask for help because I wanted that's something I wanted to talk about with you today. Um, from my own personal experience, I I know asking for help was one of the hardest parts of my mental health journey thus far. And not being able to vocalize that I was hurting or not being able to actually vocalize, hey, I do need help. Uh, is is something that was very present and very real for me. And I know that's the case for a lot of people as well. So how do you ask for help in your opinion? Like what, what can you do to help facilitate that process? Because when you're in the middle of crisis or you're in the middle of whatever it is that's going on, just saying those three words, I need help can be so challenging. I think oftentimes hindsight is twenty twenty, and when you're in crisis, you sometimes can't identify that you're in crisis. Um, at least that was the case for me. And so looking back, I can only now reflect and say, wow, I wish I myself now could have been there for that part of me, that chapter of my life. You know, you didn't have the education or the awareness to advocate for yourself. So, um, but you mentioned earlier too, like deep in your heart or in your gut, you probably felt that. You probably felt like, oh, something's not right. What is not right? Why, why do I feel this way? And so for all the people that are feeling that way and that maybe 
don't have the tools yet to vocalize, um, know that there is hope and there is help. There are programs out there, NAMI being one of them, they're fantastic. But I encourage you to start talking about it with someone that you trust and that you love. Um, for me, that was close friends, just kind of start having those conversations. And then also for me, it was like creative outlets. Um, sometimes maybe you can't express yourself yet because if you say it out loud, it is real. And maybe you're not ready to receive that help yet. Um, I think that was the case for me. I wasn't ready. I didn't, I didn't know I needed the help and I wasn't ready to receive it. So on the other hand, it's also too, like if you see a friend or if you see a loved one that you think is struggling, reach out to them and say, do you need help? Do you need help? And maybe for me, I think that was one of the ways that I found help by helping others. I saw, yeah, because I wasn't ready to show up for myself, so I showed up for other people. And in doing that, it started a slow process of saying, wow, <laughs> that self-awareness is a brutal and beautiful thing. Um, and then you realize that you yourself need the help. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to check in. Um, it was a beautiful answer. And I think one that a lot of people will resonate with. Talk to me about free your me. I know, well, I'll let you just give an introduction to it. It's your baby. It's an incredible project around ending the shame and stigma of mental health and the silence of mental health. Mm. Well, thank you, Brett, and thank you for being an ambassador of Free Your Me. Um, yes, Free Your Me is a, a mental health awareness and anti-stigma campaign. Um, I worked with a close friend by the name of Jennifer Colley, who's an amazing photographer, and um, we produced a, a campaign, a, a photographic campaign that was launched on global mental health day um, this past October and um, it was over a hundred ambassadors in their respected fields that are all impressive in their own right um, that use their social media platform and their platform in general to really raise awareness and it was a very innovative campaign because it was um, them kind of sharing their free or me or them dancing in a gray about these vulnerable moments in their life about their own mental health journey about what that was for them the first time that they were able to ask for help the first time that they were able to get therapy the first time that perhaps you know they realized that they had a loved one that lived with a mental health condition um so them sharing a story about their mental health journey and really knowing that it's okay to free army to really express those those deep inner secrets sometimes or stories of our of ourselves and our families um, that are often um, not 
showcased in the light because of the shame and stigma surrounding mental health. So if people that are listening want to participate, is that still a possibility? Because it is an interactive campaign, correct? Yes, absolutely. So you can participate by going to our website, um, namila.org slash freeyourme. Um, go to our Instagram page, NamiWLA, and you'll see all these amazing photographs, these black and white impactful photographs of uh, our ambassadors who range from, you know, Derek Huff, Gene Seymour, so uh, athletes, actresses, advocates, um, really across the spectrum, and um, how you can participate, whether you be, there's kind of two elements. You can share your free your me story. You can video yourself about freeing your me, about what that means for you. And then from a student perspective, we have some amazing student ambassadors. And I know with your work with NAMI on campus, you've really engaged a lot of student ambassadors to kind of share their story and know that it's okay to talk about mental health. So um, yeah, there's lots of different ways to engage. Cool, thank you. I you know wanna get as many people to participate in that as possible. So I'm excited that it's an ongoing campaign. Absolutely, and uh, of a particular note, one of the ambassadors was um, a state legislator, a state congressman um, by the name of Anthony Portatino. And he co-sponsored a bill with NAMI California called SB 224. And this particular bill is very exciting because it mandates uh, pupil instruction for mental health education in the state of California for um, students to have its mandatory mental health education. So it's great. It's great for, for us so that we can come in as NAMI and as ETS presenters and really talk about ending the shame and the stigma surrounding mental health. Now, talk to me. I know a bit about SB 224. It's pa- is it passed or is it not? Or it's in the process of it's, passing? It's passed. It was it's really passed. Passed okay. it coincided with the launch of the campaign, which was okay. amazing. So um, the governor signed it into, um, governor signed the bill on um, October 8th, I think. It was actually that Friday. And then we launched the campaign on Sunday. Right, on so. the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a very exciting because, you know, um, Congressman Portatino was just such a huge influence and, um, he co-sponsored the bill. He's such a great right. advocate. And kudos to him for, you know, backing it. Oh my gosh. I remember yeah. when I first heard about it, I was like, wait, why isn't every state doing this? This is necessary. Yeah. Um, what is your hope? for the mental health space, even in the next five years, even in the next year? Mm. Well, gosh, again, it's kind of like start start close to the end, right? Start where you, you, you see it. That's a great question, Britt. Um, I think to answer that question, I also just have to reference like the pandemic. So I feel like as a, as a humanity, we have experienced this collective trauma. And so I think that um, with that, we're all in a state of trying to recover or to really trying to understand because there's so much uncertainty surrounding it still. 
So I think with this collective trauma, there's also been somewhat of a gift that has been given to us. And that's um, hopefully this new empathetic lens or um, a lens that, that gives a greater sense of awareness for mental health, right? So being that we all experience isolation, we all experience those feelings of uncertainty, which really lead to heightened levels of anxiety or depression because we don't know what's going to happen next. And I think that right now, it is a time for us all to lean in to mental health, to really lean in, to understand that we all have mental health. This is a journey for all of us. And the more education, awareness, and advocacy that we can bring to mental health, and integrating it into our daily choices, just like physical health, um, I think that's really going to be the best scenario for everyone on this planet. Find the end goal, work back, take it day to day. I always say big macro change starts on a micro level. And so when you simplify everything, it really makes anything possible. Yeah. And then with consistency, you see results. With practice. So with practice, yes. Mm-hmm. Rehearsing, rehearsal. What is next for NAMI West Side? What is next for Aaron? Um, what is next is some lunch. I need to hear my no. stomach. <laughs> so. Again, moment by moment. Yeah, moment. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to take like, what ah, you just no. said and practice it and think, oh, 12 p.m., food. <laughs> yeah, food. It's totally food. It usually goes back to food for me. Um, Well, what's next for me is I think, you know, for me personally, like I always feel like I'm trying to find that flow for my own mental health, like making sure like that day looks like I got enough sleep, good nutrition, like exercise, all of that. Um, I know those sound like, like I'm just listing these things. No, but but those are big things, man. They're really big things. Even the sleep, like people don't talk about it enough and lack thereof is detrimental. Detrimental or like breathing, like the most common thing that we take for granted so much is like, and like understanding, like, what does that mean? What does breath mean? There's all these different kinds of breaths, like those kinds of things. Like I really want to make a priority for myself and my family to really unpack them more, to understand what those like necessity things are those are necessities in your life but really unpacking them and being more mindful about them you know um and like knowing that okay this week is a wash or like today that we didn't do those things but okay so let what can we do what are the small steps that we can take for the next day or the next you know um again it's just i think like you know i am a process life is a process alterations are a process they're a part of the process so knowing that change is the only constant totally 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 what are some of the programs or can you talk to me about some of the programs at NAMI Westside where can people find these virtual programs absolutely NAMI Westside yeah well one of the great things that's what's next for me and Nami West Side is that we're launching our very first home front program. I'm so excited for you for this. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. And we, we actually think have like over 20 people that have already registered for the class, which is, which is great, I think, for a virtual class. And it's a six week um, educational course. And my husband and I are actually, we got trained and we're teaching the course. Um, my husband is a military veteran. He served in the US Army. And we are teaching this course called Homefront. And it's really focused on providing mental health guidance, support and education for military families. Um, it's very similar to our family to family course that we teach. Um, but this is specifically geared towards military families with, a, with that lens. Do you have to have a mental health condition to attend the class? No, you do not. Um, and it's primarily for the loved ones of, of service members. Um, however, you can be a service member and still attend the class. Um, again, a lot of service members have family members that have served. So... Um, but it's a class that really teaches about um, different diagnoses, um, teaches about finding resources, navigating the VA system, which is a government organization, which is very helpful, but can be very difficult to navigate, especially if you're living with a mental health condition. Um, so in finding that vocabulary, really understanding boundaries and space, um, so lots of really important tools and we're very excited. So that starts um, next Tuesday, November 2nd, and it's a six week class. So it will go to December 7th. Cool. And you guys are constantly having programs, aren't you? Yes, we constantly have support groups that are offered on a daily basis. And since the pandemic, we've shifted everything to a virtual space. So um, barriers that or challenges that could have been barriers in the past, like transportation or childcare, are a little bit easier to navigate because you just have to log on to a Zoom link and you can find your online community that offers support for you. Um, I know that you are also a support group facilitator for NAMI, so um, for our peer community, and it's an amazing resource that people can just jump on and know that they're not alone and be able to share and get the help and support that they need. You can find all of our classes and support groups on our website. So that's NAMILA.org. Yeah, and it is important to touch on the fact that a lot of times with these groups and classes is it's just a safe space. So, you know, the education and learning is all awesome. But if you just need a place to show up as well, that's available to you. Erin, I can't like you leave here today with ask, without asking you one final question. Surprise. Um, what is your coffee order? Oh my gosh, you're so funny. Um, my coffee. Uh, there um, it is. There it is. I have it right here with me. It's like an appendage of my hand. Um, uh, my coffee order at home, if I am making coffee at home, is like dark roast Ooh. um i use brown sugar Ooh, and decadent yeah, i use brown sugar and um i love like um layered superfood creamer so is, do i yes it's the best it's so good 
Yes. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I just got so excited about Laird Superfood Creamer. Laird Superfood, who, by the way, um, is a Free Your Me ambassador. And he was the first ambassador to be photographed for the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and his wife was the second. And she's been an amazing mentor. Gabrielle Reese has been an amazing uh, mentor to me and really navigating that athlete in me mm-hmm. in a very positive way. She's incredible. Um, She's incredible. Like, she's incredible. She, she's, I mean, she's an original, like she's the OG. She is. Me. And like, I know her on a personal level as well. I mean, I haven't seen her for years, but so I just have so much respect for her. So kind, so intelligent. Like she's it. She is it. Yeah, she, she is. And, and it, you're, she doesn't disappoint. And no. she, um, you know, she's, she is a, a like a real life superhero and um and she challenges you to be your best which is um something that's so wonderful that when a person recognizes that in you and challenges you to be that mm, totally well what is your coffee order when you go out Ooh, okay. See, so look at you. Follow up. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go out, I like a latte. Mm. So do mm-hmm. I. Yep. It's like a, a warm hug. Actually, a warm hug. it's a warm hug. If you want to take it down the alcohol route, which I don't really drink, but one of my baristas explained the the latte like an IPA. And I was like, oh, you're kind of right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of right. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, IPA, warm hug, whatever you want to call it. It's good. <laughs> right. Get your coffee, get your day. Get your yeah. coffee, get your day. Well, Erin, it was so nice to have you on this episode. I so appreciate it. I appreciate all the work you're doing and I definitely can't wait to have you back again. I just believe you offered so many nuggets of wisdom that, you know, people can run with. So thank you for sharing your story, your message, your voice is so important. As always, I hope you have a beautiful day and that you get your coffee. Get your day. Get your day. Hi friends. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard today, I ask that you pass this message and episode along to one other person. Leave a review and rate us if you feel inspired to do so. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dancing in the Gray. Don't forget, when we dance confidently in the gray, the colors of life show up so much brighter.